0: <laughs> to the show. Paul George, Deacon Adam Khan That's definitely solemnity music.
1: That's right. Doesn't it make you just feel like you can do anything?
0: Solemnity and solemn go together? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you'd call that solemn music, but solemnity. Well, I think... I like the trumpets blowing. There's something rejoicing about it. That's right. We're announcing something. Hello? Jesus! <laughs> No pun intending or announcing something.
1: Oh, I definitely intended that pun. It's a good pun.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Well, welcome to the show. Glad you're listening in today. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. Here we are, episode 195. We just keep going. We're we just consistent. Going.
1: <laughs> we just don't give up.
0: Even, even though they told us not to. <laughs> Many times. We just keep on trucking.
1: Nothing's gonna stop us no, now. No, no matter what
0: the gas prices are, man, we're gonna keep rolling. There's nothing stopping us now. Yeah, how are you?
1: I'm great. I mean, I really do love today, the Annunciation, but the weather's beautiful. Things are uh, great in the family and at at school that I work at, so uh, you know, I'm very blessed. It's a blessed season for old Deacon Adam Conk. How about about you?
0: Just to take the mystery out of everything, we usually record earlier in the week. Mm -hmm. Uh, The show is on the radio on Fridays. Uh, It airs, and then the podcast is uploaded on Friday. Mm -hmm. You know, so... It's not live, although we don't edit the show. So if you think, hey, we go back and, you know, cut out, like, you know, bad words and things like that. Like, hey, whatever is said is said. Like, there's just, we have a rule. Like, there's no editing this thing. That's right. You know, so so you get the unedited version of the show. But we usually, you know, record it earlier in the week because of our schedules. However, today, we're recording exactly on Friday, which is exactly...
1: Much more honest, yeah.
0: The feast, the solemnity of the Annunciation today.
1: Yeah. I'd have to look up the root of solemnity because you got me thinking, and I don't know this root, but if I had to guess, I would think it means like weighty, like weight, Mm -hmm. like heavy. And so we call those things solemn that are like, they have more gravitas, more weight, you know? Yeah. But I don't think it necessarily means like somber. No. Or sad but like just weighted, right? So today has a a big weight. It's very significant.
0: Significant. That's a good word. Yeah. It is very significant. So, you know, the feast, and we'll talk more about it, but, you know, originally it was sort of like more of a feast of the Immaculate Conception, like the conception, you know, like... Of Jesus, yeah. Yeah, and then it became more of a Marian feast the more that the church unpacked the significance of what happened and, Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So we'll get more into that so welcome to the show i'm glad you're here uh so i'm guessing you have a have you seen
1: what did you say that is so
0: interesting yes
1: this is a great story for those who just don't seem to learn their lesson
0: Mm, like myself
1: yeah me too um it comes out of flagstaff arizona oh all our friends in arizona so shout out to arizona and uh they're gonna get a kick out of this story i'm just gonna let you know okay because basically what had happened um, very recently was that a New York City resident mm-hmm. decided to go uh, hiking in the northern Arizona mountain range.
0: Okay, Flagstaff, which the locals, by the way, call it flag.
1: Oh, really? hmm You nice. go into
0: flag. I'm from flag.
1: That does save a lot of time. It does. Flag, Flagstaff. Yeah. It's literally half the syllables. That's pretty good. yeah um, so this is like you know city boy going into the mountains thinking he can do anything story, which is they're gonna kick out of that. So anyway, he goes, he goes hiking in the mountains, um, but it was uh, winter. You know, it was cold up there. Yeah, it is. It is, and uh, there were signs. In fact, <clears throat> the story goes on to um, list one of the signs text that I think we just need to read before we continue. So it says, warning, unless you are an experienced alpine mountaineer, do not, capital, capital, attempt Humphrey's Peak in the winter. There is so much snow that it's difficult to follow the trail and very easy to fall off. Moreover, the wind is absolutely brutal.
0: Now, if you've never been to Flagstaff, like, it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I mean, huge, huge ferns and pines and in the winter it snows up there i mean and look you're like two and a half hours three hours from phoenix the desert and you drive up and it's unbelievable five you know thousand you know elevation uh and more and in the summer it's gorgeous and it's cool and you get away from the heat and the hikes but in the winter there is snow mm-hmm. this Apparently is true. a lot of it yeah
1: especially at the top well you can guess what happened he got pretty stuck mm. <laughs> pretty Yeah, he needed some help. So he passed the sign. He didn't listen. Yeah, he was like, I got this. I I grew up on skyscrapers. I'm not scared. Right. And so uh, he heads up there, and he gets stuck, and he calls, and they come rescue him. They have a little rescue crew that goes out to get him. Well, the very next day- He goes back. Don't tell me. They get another call. This isn't true. (laughs) This is true. So literally the very next day, they get another call. Um, Same peak- same situation mm-hmm. and the guy was stuck again and
0: uh, <laughs> you know it's interesting is like it's like you said like did he not learn his lesson you know the first day or did he think oh i did learn some lessons i'm going to do it differently and then it just went south again i have no idea
1: well and that's kind of so to give this guy credit i don't want to make him sound like a like you know an idiot or anything uh the um local representatives there that helped rescue him they had this to say which was nice and i think that is important they said i really respect phil his name's phil phil <laughs> phil's perseverance so his perseverance i hope that he's able to make it to the top sometime sometime one day so like he was just getting back at it mm-hmm. you know um, he had good intentions correct getting mm-hmm. back at it and that perseverance pays off one day hopefully yeah. for phil
0: there i think there's a phil in all of us oh yeah totally you know, this this you know person inside of us that that wants to you know, do more than maybe what we think we can. You know, uh, but it, you know, it's interesting. I often think about this, like in, in the in life and in our decisions, even in the spiritual life. Maybe we can all relate. Is at what point does like a a certain pattern of behavior change mm-hmm. to the positive? Like, do do we learn from our mistakes and we stop? You know, committing certain sins or behaviors or whatever and and change actually begins to take place like at, at what point you know when the confessional and the priest is like so when are you going to stop confessing the same thing over and over right mm-hmm. or you know when are you actually going to do something about changing when are you going to like you know what mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and, you know I've been at places in my life where I'm just exhausted of doing the same thing over and over it's like at what point do do I finally get, you know, get to the other side of the mountain? Do I finally like change this behavior? Do I do something intentional to kind of move it on? I don't know if you've ever been there.
1: Oh yeah. Well, in reading this story, I just have to chuckle, not because, not because Phil is worthy of chuckling, but because I see myself in Phil like every day. Right. You know, every day, uh, the same outcome, day after day, takes place, and then I'm I'm kind of confused and bewildered. But you're right, and it takes some people to really call us to our senses to say, well, when are you going to change? Or like, "What? when is this aspect of your life going to change that actually makes it happen? Because, you know, I don't have it in me to change. If I did, I would have changed already, right? Like God's grace, um, which comes through other people as well, you know. But like today's feast, the Annunciation, I mean, God had to intervene in our history or else we were not going to change our way, right? Like we were all on our way in the wrong direction through original sin. And if God himself would not have intervened in his son, we would still be in that direction. And there's, anyway, so I see myself in Phil so much because um, whether it's parenting or in my work or in my ministry, um, I repeat mistakes. But one thing I've learned is if if I'm committed to conversion, if I'm committed to that idea, God usually shows me how, how to do that, right? Like his grace and if I'm open to other people's insight and criticisms and everything else, like God does help me change if, right. if I'm committed to it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, God really literally redirected the course of history, right? Yeah. By sending his son. Like there was a redirection. There was a, a, a change of course, a, a, a life change for all of us, you know, his, even historically and spiritually of God saying, we're going to take a different route here. Uh, Mm -hmm. because we're going to stop doing what we've always done and we're going to make a change, right? And conversion does happen over time. But, you know, if you want to have, you know, healthy relationships and you, you know, if you take this into your marriage, you want to have a good marriage, like you're constantly being called to be better, you know, to Mm -hmm. like grow in holiness, like, you know, like a good marriage, you know, certainly there's joy and happiness, but you're also like, to have a good marriage is you you don't just allow someone else to continue to have negative behaviors. Right. And I'm not talking about personality, like, Hey, you're a little late and I'm a little messy and we're just working on sort of like our, our weaknesses. I'm talking about like, you know, like real behavior. That's like, you know, not bringing unity to the relationship. Right. Yeah. And Gretchen and I, we just got back from four day marriage retreat that we facilitated went off with some couples and it just, it it was unbelievable to see God move and the Holy Spirit is just giving couples the space, right? To breathe, to rest, to pray and to talk and to like deal and talk through like just these little, you know, sort of splinters that come up in your marriage over time to kind of you know, smooth out the boards and like begin to kind of talk through those things. And you realize is like people just need that space and time to, to sort of say like, where have we gone off course a little bit? How do we want God to redirect us back to where he wants us to go? How do we unify again? How do we talk through some things we haven't been able to resolve in a while? How do we get back spiritually on board emotionally, physically, all those things. And you know if you just let god work and give people time and space miracles begin to happen and it's pretty amazing i think what happens in our day today is that we are so preoccupied in life and the busyness and that we just don't often step back and take time to breathe and think lord what do you want to do in my life like what do you what are you saying to me what do you want to change and grow and build redirect what are you teaching me right now? Who mm-hmm. are you placing in my life to mentor me and help me and, uh, you know, all those things. Like, we don't we do not do that, and we need to do that more.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, one of the most paramount habits of every good Christian is being in the habit of change, the habit of conversion. Mm-hmm. And it's an art. Like, every everything else about the Christian life, the art of living, you may say. Correct. Paul George. But that's part of the art. It's the art of living life in such a way that I'm better at the end of the year than I began the year and not in a self-help kind of way at all but actually in a very docile way that I it, there's an art to listening to the Lord and to his voice in prayer his voice through other people throughout my life to where I change and make adjustments constantly you know um the great spiritual masters like the great psychologists of today they all identify there's usually one thing that the Lord is actually asking you to change. Because there's so much about me that can change. There's usually one thing, like a dominant fault mm. or a behavior that, that causes the most tension in my marriage or in my relationships or whatever else, and that God is giving me the grace right now to change that thing. Mm. And so there's an art to cooperating with that, to cooperating with that grace for conversion, that if we don't learn that art, if we don't learn that skill, our whole discipleship is impacted by that you know, because we will literally be the same five years from now than we are today. And that is one of the most tragic things to say about a Christian, that I'm no closer to God five years from now than I, than I was five years ago, um, or no closer today than I was five years ago. That's one of the biggest tragedies that we can utter. Yeah, I mean, what have we been doing for five years if not following the Lord more closely? Right. And it really, you know, I played uh,
0: baseball all the way through college. And so, you know, from the time I was a you know, young kid and teenager, like I swung a bat every day, like it just, mm. and it becomes repetition by the time, you know, I got through high school and the college, so many reps that I could put a ball on a tee, close my eyes and hit the ball. You know, like it, it just mm. every, like it was just so repetitious, right? Like it, it like everything just became so repetitious and you, you could still get in a slump. You know, it was interesting because it's like, oh, I need to go back into the batting cage and like work on my swing the swing I've been doing for the past 10 years, (laughs) every day, hundreds of times a day. And you think, you know, and I, and something would go wrong. Maybe it's connected mentally. Maybe like, you know, there's a slight injury. Like it just, there's a hiccup in your swing, you know, something happens and you have to like go back and like readjust and think and get a coach, right? Like get Mm -hmm. someone to look at it and film it. And, You know, like, you all these things, and then there's all these other factors. Like when you, when you are in a game and go to bat, like you don't have the same pitcher every time throwing the same pitch. There's a curveball, and this guy's left hand, and this guy's right hand, and this guy throws eighty, and this guy throws ninety. There's constant adjustments to being successful, right? Mm -hmm. And then ultimately in baseball, if you're if you fail seventy percent of the time as a hitter, you're actually successful. So is true in the spiritual life, like the, they're, they're, like we, we certainly have to live a rhythm, but at the same time, there's so many factors in life that adjust that rhythm and affect it, right? Like our situations, our, our work, our business, the anxiety, the enemy, like all these factors that change the game every day. Mm-hmm. And the more and more that we're unified with God, the more that we can adjust and, you know, kind of figure it out as we go. But the more we're disconnected from God in that rhythm, like then it's like like if I don't swing a bat for a year, I got to work a whole lot to catch right. up.
1: You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And
0: then before you know it, you're like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm batting a hundred.
1: I love that analogy. It kind of reminds me of, you know, when we look at the canonized saints and we look at their holiness, and we look at imitating them. It's kind of like if we look at a professional athlete and say, I want to be like that, in the sense of. uh I mean, I could never be LeBron James for, like, many reasons. Right. right or but, Tom Brady. But
0: mainly one athletically, <laughs> yeah. I would just say. I mean, there's that whole basketball thing
1: I'm not very good at. Uh, That's kind of a... Right,
0: which is why I always <laughs> love when, like, people tell other people or parents tell their kids, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Well, actually, no. <laughs> Adam someone, cannot dunk a basketball. No matter that. how much your mind <laughs> is set on it.
1: Uh, but point being, we kind of look at Saints this way, too, and we're like, oh, man, they just they're just awesome. They're professional prayers. They're professional disciples. And I'm just a little amateur and I'm just trying to do my best. And I really admire them, but... And they were sort of predestined and, you Mm -hmm. know, Osmosis got a hold of
0: them and they just became a saint.
1: Yeah. But actually what we can imitate about these saints is much more um, concrete than that. And that is, in the end, yes, LeBron James or... And look, I'm going to show my, my lack of enthusiasm for baseball since the 90s because I came and tell you a great hitter. It's okay. Since like Mark McGuire or Kenneth Griffey Jr. But it's okay. <laughs> point being, you don't have to watch baseball. When you to get to that baseball. level, yes, they have to factor in all these things and they have all these tr- trainings. And yeah, yes. But at the end of the day, if they're not enjoying the game, in other words, mm. play, they're not playing baseball, mm. they can't be great right? Like, you, your head gets too into it, you get too distracted. If it becomes too much of a scientific equation that you have to perform to achieve, and you're no longer playing the game, you can't rise to the, to the great levels. And this is also true in our spiritual life. And this is, you know, we put so much weight on our sins and faults sometimes that it holds us down because we get so scrupulous, we despair, we beat ourselves up because we make mistakes, because we sin, because we still need to change, even though we've been at it for 10 years. And we forget that the whole point of this is that it's all God's plan. And there should be an element of lightheartedness in our conversion to where, you know, we take sin very seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. And we're playing, right? Like, Uh, Pope Benedict XVI called Holy Mass and liturgy divine play. Hmm. In other words, like God just being with his children and that image of just him playing with us in the liturgy, there has to be that lighthearted relationship with our conversion that I'm not taking my sins so seriously that I can't play the game of life anymore. I can't enjoy my relationship with God. I can't enjoy the conversion process itself. Hmm. Cause I mean, I can give so much glory to God for how much He's changed in me in the past year, and or I could beat myself up for the things I still didn't change.
0: It's true, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, looking like human relationship wise, I think sometimes the people I enjoy being around the most are people who have learned to laugh at themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, not take themselves so seriously because it, it's already so serious, right? Like everything's right. already so serious. You know, and the more and more I read about the saints, particularly as I'm working on this book for men and kind of getting under the belly of, like, the, the lives of these, you know, gritty, holy saints, mm-hmm. they, they weren't born that way, you know. Like, they, they grew that way. But the, the, there are certain threads throughout the lives of these saints. One is that they all experienced great suffering and pain, just like all of us, you know. Like, so they, they weren't void of that. But two, they found joy. And the ability to sort of like take life as it came yep, and not take it so seriously when they didn't need to, like to learn to laugh at themselves or their situations and find joy in it, you know, and the sort of, the, you know, obviously I've said this on the show, that's my, my, my word for the year. I'm not doing so great at it, <laughs> but I am working on it. Yeah. And and that's where, you know, we kind of loop back around to this intentionality is like, let me learn from from this and like try to grow in this virtue Mm -hmm. and i'm and i'm focused on that virtue i'm focused on one virtue this year i'm living all the other like i'm you know what i'm saying like i'm not letting loose all the other ones (laughs) to focus on what like this is the one i'm honing in on to like go after right and and i'm sort of used to that in my life because in a sense of like i'll notice certain behaviors in my marriage or parenting or life and it's like i need to work on that i definitely Mm -hmm. need to get better at that you know like i'm Mm -hmm you know, I'm, I, I'm impatient. I'm, I'm this. And oh man, God's asking me to really focus on that, yeah. change my behavior. Like who wants to be that for the rest of their lives? I don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, it's really good for us spiritually to be intentional about where, where God's asking us to grow. Yeah. And go.
1: So. Yeah. And keep that, you know, the thing that unites the six year old playing baseball and the professional, uh, professional baseball player should be their love of the game, their joy of playing it. And it's the same thing with us. This joy that you're talking about is so important because it, it, it allows us the same benefit that the great saints that we admire have, which is I enjoy my relationship with God. And that's all he wants of us. In fact, we call this contemplation. It's the height of prayer. If I, if I become a professional prayer, What's the end of that? It's not winning a Super Bowl. It's not winning the World Series. When I become really, really good at it, I learn how to simply beat a child who enjoys the presence of his dad. Mm-hmm. That's, that's such a great point.
0: You know, one of the things Gretchen and I were talking about on the retreat this weekend is, you know, kind of making note of, of these different turns we've made in our marriage, where we felt like that there's been some breakthroughs, you know, over the course of 25 years, right? Mm-hmm. 10 years here, this happened. This was like a huge breakthrough, yada, yada. And I kind of made note, you know, it's like we, for the, you know, the past, whatever, many years, we've kind of, we've grown, we, 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 we've moved from like learning to love each other to, to learning to like each other, if that makes any sense, Mm -hmm. like enjoying being around each other, you know, and imagine if we told guys like, I love you, but I don't like being around you. Right. You know, like. Like that's not what our relationship with God's supposed to be. It's 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 not only a love relationship, but it's a like like, I, I, like I, I like being in a relationship with God. That I I'm freer. I I enjoy it. You know, like mm-hmm. and that's the way. Like you were saying earlier, is like the play, right? The, mm-hmm. God wants to like play with His children. Like He enjoy not only loves us, but He likes us. Like He enjoys us and. And, and the same thing is with our kids as we kind of go through ups and downs of raising kids and we get to this place, you know, as they get older that, man, not only I love you, but I'm learning to really like you, like being around mm-hmm. you and, and, and then delighting in you, you know, and, and it's, that's when it's like a relationship really begins, I think, to take off into a yeah. whole another level. And that's the beauty of it is like our relationship with God, the spiritual life isn't supposed to be this like painful, like, oh, this is so, (laughs) yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, we make mistakes. But, you know, if I can fail 70% of the time and still love playing baseball, think about that. Like it's a kid's game. Yeah. I still get dirty. I still get to run and slide and and hit. And like, you see what I'm saying? Like in the spiritual life, I'm going to be honest with you. Like we're batting three hundred, that's great. At best, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> it doesn't mean like we focus on the seventy in base. And, and we're we'll here for a break. But if you focus on the seventy percent failure, you'll quit baseball. Mm-hmm. You have to focus on the thirty percent success. That's it. Mm-hmm. And in the spiritual life, it's the same. So, all right, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less? Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844 844- 387 8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. Hey, hey. In studio, right here on a Friday. The Solemnity, the Feast, the Annunciation. Feast and Friday. All right, give us an overview of the Annunciation because, you know, I have a feeling knowing you, that the weird Catholic segment is going to be tied into this today. So, But give us an overview of this solemnity. Like, what's it about? Like, what, you know, as a church, why?
1: Why why today? Why this? Well, it's nine months before Christmas, exactly.
0: Cool! You just told me something I didn't know.
1: Yep, it's exactly nine months think before Christmas. That. I mean, if I would
0: have done the math, I would have yeah, been
1: yeah. Like, <laughs> but I didn't even think about
0: doing math today.
1: Yeah, so, you know, start your Christmas plans, everybody. <laughs> See, this is where, like, honestly, like, when you're like, why does a church do
0: this? What You know, what are the—think about that, the wisdom of, like, this feast day on there nine months before. Mm-hmm. I mean, why?
1: Yep. And so, it was today, what we marked today, where our Lord actually was incarnated, became took flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary, um, that the angel Gabriel announced, annunciation, announced to Mary that— All the good news that was partially prophesied in the Old Testament that God was preparing his people for was now fully realized, and it's fully realized in his son becoming flesh. That is a huge announcement. We didn't know that would happen before that moment. So it's not only an announcement to Mary about God's plan for her life, which it was, but also an announcement to all of us of the fullness of time actually coming upon us and the kingdom of God being at hand, as the way the Lord put it. So where did that kingdom of God in its fullness start to exist on Earth? Start to be at hand today, in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and uh, our Lord um, took flesh, and uh, nine months later was born at Christmas. Man, man, I can't even think about Christmas. Like, (laughs) side note to the feast day, like you just totally
0: derailed my day (laughs) just by even bringing up the word Christmas. I mean, it's just like, I just kind of like, was like, man, what I can't even, but how beautiful is that is like, you know, if you're, um, you know, a mother that's ever been pregnant, right. had a baby, like just that nine months, it almost seems forever when you first get pregnant, but really like that nine months just flies by, Mm -hmm. you know, and you always like think when you get pregnant, you look, okay, what's our due date, right? Mm -hmm, Like what, mm -hmm. you know, when is this thing coming? Right. And, like, if you look at, like, today, like, Mary and Joseph were like, when's our due date? Mm-hmm. You know, like, the beauty of, like, you know, the Annunciation and, and Mary conceiving and, uh, you know, what's our due date? You know, it's going to be around December. You know, I, don't, I know they didn't have, like, the math. but <laughs> December it is pretty, 25th-ish? It is pretty simple math. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they, they did have math back then.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and, and what's—so this uh, Annunciation is only in the Gospel of Luke, presumably because we think Luke interviewed Mary herself to hear about— Uh, many things that the church didn't know. And so this information about the the Annunciation, uh, as best we can tell, comes from Our Lady's lips herself. And Hmm. immediately following today, so this announcement was made, Mary starts packing her bags because one of the things the Archangel Gabriel said was that her cousin Elizabeth was also pregnant, right, Mm -hmm. and in her sixth month. And so she set out to go help Elizabeth, and she had to travel to do that. Um, And when she arrived, Elizabeth confirmed. So the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary today on the Annunciation to conceive Christ in her. The Holy Spirit was waiting on her at Elizabeth's house who came upon Elizabeth to confirm that Mary was indeed the mother of my Lord. She Mm -hmm. said, why should the mother of my Lord come to me? And the infant in her womb leapt for joy, right? So anyway, all these things to signal to to Mary that um, confirming the angel's word and confirming to all of us— that today the nuns, the incarnation actually happened and it was confirmed when she visited her cousin Elizabeth who said yes you're pregnant with my lord you know
0: John the Baptist who would have been due around June if
1: i'm doing my math correct very good june 24th yeah the nativity of John the Baptist so very yeah. close yeah
0: so he was 6 months older you know which is interesting cuz i have a, a first cousin and we're sort of really good friends he's you know about you know, six, eight, nine months older. So we the mm. same age, but he's... And um we just were friends growing up, right? And and you can imagine, like, John the Baptist and Jesus, you know, you know, they're related, but they're probably friends. They're probably, you know... And then at some point, you know, they probably, you know, grew, and, you know, John went to do his own thing, and... and Boy, did he. And, and <laughs>
1: <laughs> did he ever. He did his but, <laughs> own... He, he marched to the rhythm of his own drum, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, absolutely. So, so today, which is interesting, it, side note to all this is that it is a Friday in Lent, mm-hmm. right? And it just happens to fall on a Friday in Lent, right? Yeah. Meet the Friday. solemnity, which means that from your mouth and the church <laughs> is that we're, we're, we're called to break our fast because it's such a, a, a heavy gravitas feast. Like we, yeah. we should rejoice today.
1: Yeah, and you know, the the old phrase is Meat Friday. So today's a meat Friday. Um, so eat your meat. Now some of folks are gonna say, Well, no, stick to your penance. I'm not a weak Catholic. Well, that's you, fine. Stick you do to your you. penance. You do you. But don't ruin the fun for the rest of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're talking about play, enjoy, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm eating steak today. And, so.
0: and here's the thing, like, and this is what I'm learning personally in my life, you know, just to be honest and transparent as I talked about my word for the year, is I need to give myself permission. To rejoice today. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I'm the guy who's usually like, you baby, you breaking your fast. And I'm gonna just take it so dang serious that I'm just <laughs> gonna I'm gonna miss the celebration. You see what I'm saying? Right, right yeah. Like I'm gonna miss the opportunity to to rejoice and celebrate. And I think that's what we often need to look at is like mm-hmm. the church is actually asking us to rejoice and celebrate today. This is a big deal. This isn't like, oh, you know, Mary just was like, you know, like, I don't know what to do today. I'm going to visit Elizabeth, you know, like, I don't know what's happening, you know, like this today changed the course of history. Like the church yeah. is like, hello, like wake up, like, you know, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary telling her by the Holy Spirit, she was conceived that she would bring the, the, the Lord, the Messiah into the world who would, you know, change the course of history by, by Saving us from our sin. Like today is, you know, it's not just like a blip on the map. Like, right. (laughs) Oh. It's pretty much everything today. I mean, today's the beginning of everything, you know? I mean, it's the fulfillment of the whole old covenant. Right. Like, it's today is like God's like, now's the time to fulfill. Like, you imagine, like, I think we would probably carry much more weight with this if we were like understood the whole history of the Jewish faith mm-hmm. and, and, and like everything that was fulfilled in Jesus. Like if we could just, and it, here it is, you know, and this is why the weight of Mary is like, what, how can I do this?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How can this be? Like she's, you know, as a practicing Jewish woman who understands church history, you know, it's like, what, wait, what, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting because you, if you go through the reading today, I mean, there's a lot there to unpack, but there's two things that just pop out of the page, you know, one is, you know, the angel says, do not be afraid. Yeah. Like, like the weight of all this. I know he says, do not be afraid. I mean, those words to me are like, boom, like, because what? Like my worry, my fear, my anxiety with life. It's like, God's like, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Right. And the second thing that pops out of the page is, The angel says, nothing is impossible for God. So Mm -hmm. so you're like, how? You're thinking, what? You you know, how can this be? You know? Nothing impossible for God. And and then that just floors me right there. Do not be afraid. Nothing's
1: impossible for God. Yeah. I mean it goes back to this divine play idea is that Any I mean, look, creating something from nothing is a lot of power, right? I mean, like God created the whole universe, spiritual and material, from nothing. He's got a lot of power.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And anything short of that, anything under that, you know, power wise, if he can do all of that without really breaking a sweat, there's really nothing he can't do. And I would imagine, you know, like if I was that professional athlete and I could do all kinds of awesome things, like hit a hundred mile an hour fastball, fastball out of the park. I would really enjoy doing that. It would be like play to me. Like get, you know, let's get the batting cages and let's just hit some balls, right? I mean, how much God enjoys sharing his goodness with us and creating us, redeeming us. And and in today with with our lady, you know, God rejoices in our lady's heart, like God delights in her so much that today was a moment where God's plan coming fulfilled. How much he must have enjoyed mm-hmm. The incarnation, not in the sense of it's it's not a sacrifice, because from the moment of his conception, our Lord sacrifices life to his Father. But the point being is that Mary's openness, Mary's sinlessness, Mary's lack of obstacle to God allowed for this delight in the Father in her, this play with her, um, to bring about our salvation that was so beautiful, and because of today and because of our relationship with our Lady and with our Lord. Um, and with the Holy Spirit, we can rejoice, we can play, we can play with the Father. And it's pleasing to Him, you know, that we celebrate. It's not just, it's not the way the world celebrates things. You know, it's not like we need to, we're not celebrating worldly ideals here. We're letting the Father delight in us and us in Him about the fact that there was no obstacle in Mary or in His Son to achieve our salvation. And we want that same thing in our life. We want to say yes to God the way Mary did And God loves that. You know, he delights in it.
0: Amen. Okay, so Adam's going to blow our mind today. So just look, I got to tell you guys, like, I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. He (laughs) hasn't told me everything. But what he has, I just can't. Okay, so this is weird Catholic stuff.
1: What? You've got to be joking. You're just making that up. How is this possible? Paul, oh, you're ridiculous! There's no way! Weird Catholics! Stop! All right, so um, it's related to today, which is the Feast of the Annunciation, of course. Um, yeah, but it's just, like, out of control. But people who've never heard this story, And I don't know it's how weird. I've
0: never heard it. Maybe I have, maybe I wasn't listening, but I just, I can't.
1: Well, unless you live in Italy, or unless you have been to the Holy Land specifically, it's probably not on most people's radar. Like, if you've been to Italy or been to the Holy Land, it's definitely on your radar. But did you know, this is this is a weird story, um, there's a tradition, okay, with a little t, so it's not a matter of, like, dogmatic faith, but there's a tradition that the, the house that the Incarnation happened in, which is Our Lady's house in Nazareth, the house that it actually happened in was transported from Nazareth to Loretto, Italy, by angels... In the 1200s. So it was like put on a flatbed truck? Yeah, with wide load attached to it. And like... Flashers. Driven overnight,
0: (laughs) although they didn't have vehicles back then.
1: Right. So, well, the story goes, okay, um, that in 1291, Our Lady appeared in Nazareth. So the house was still there. Okay. And many miracles were happening. All right. Um, So there was, in other words, heaven kind of put a spotlight on this house in 1291. Okay. All right. Our Lady appears. Miracles yeah. are happening. And then in 1294, so three years later after the spotlight was made, yeah. overnight, the house was transported by angels to the hilltop of Loretto, Italy. And... Um, Our Lady of Loretto. Exactly. That's where that comes from. Okay. And so if you ever hear Our Lady's house mm. or the house of the incarnation... So the
0: house is there in Loretto. Yes. It got moved by angels overnight. Okay. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. So... <laughs> It, it, it's so is there the house still in Nazareth like no there's move, nothing, there's just dirt there's there nothing there like, I think that's but, a
1: good question. I, I really think they built a chapel there for right. that spot but Correct. in Loretto there's the house surrounded by a basilica So
0: did the church investigate this like they do with miracles yeah. and all this stuff and would they say like we have yeah you know, well,
1: they, you know recently there was scientific there's always scientific studies on lots of things in the church but a more recent study, Uh, scientifically confirms that the stones of this house resemble those from Nazareth at that time.
0: Okay. So usually for weird Catholic stuff, I'm like standing up No, I'm sitting down for this one. I just can't, I can't wrap my mind. I can wrap my mind around a lot of
1: miracles. This
0: one is blowing my mind.
1: (laughs) So the, the materials date back to that time. They're consistent with the Holy land and Nazareth specifically. And there were inscriptions in it that predate 1294 that speak to it being the place where Christ was incarnated. That's, so oh, That's unbelievable. The inscriptions themselves. Why isn't
0: this miracle talked about more often?
1: Well, like I said, if you visit Italy, Loretto, Italy, and if you visit the Holy Land, and in other words, you go to where the incarnation would have happened, yeah. there's a sign there that says, you know, we move locations. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: We've moved. We've moved. New We're, address. Yeah. Call
1: call this number. Um, all right. So there's a beautiful basilica there, and if you ever get to Italy, put Loretto on your on your spot. We're definitely not doing it justice this morning. There is a lot of scientific and tradition to back up that these angels actually moved this. This house
0: is blowing my mind. It really is. Like,
1: I'm just trying to like wrap
0: my mind around. And here's the thing: like when you when you research any miracles and even scientifically, and you talk about the, the main thing about a miracle is that you can't intellectually understand a miracle. Like, it it, right. it goes beyond the intellect and the mind. So, obviously, if this happened, we certainly can't wrap our minds around it. <laughs> whoa. But you were also saying, because I've been writing a chapter on Padre Pio, but you were saying that
1: there's an interesting connection here with St. Padre Pio and... To Our Lady of Loretto. Well, especially for Italians, there's a great devotion to Our Lady of Loretto and Our Lady's house, as they call it, because it's in Italy, obviously. And look, if I live, you know, if, if angels transported the house at Nazareth to, uh, you know, Mamou, Louisiana. Right down the road, bro. I, I would be there a lot. You know, I'd be like, this is pretty awesome. So I get the devotion, right? But um, hmm. I don't know the full story, so I could get some bits of this wrong but just say what I know for sure is that Padre Pio, of course, who's Italian, lived in Pietrocina at the uh, monastery there. Right. Um, at night would pray the Holy Rosary and uh, at his house in Pietrocina. Mm-hmm. Well, they realized after some time that a monk that would appear or be there in the chapel at Re- Loretto at the same time every night was actually him, that the sisters were able to identify that this is Padre Pio by locating while he's praying the rosary.
0: Which is one of the the, you know, gifts, spiritual gifts and miracles of Padre Pio is that there were reports and, you know, investigating that he did buy locate. Yeah. which is crazy.
1: Yeah, and so he... And he couldn't explain how. He didn't. Like, he really... He might not even been aware, you know. Yeah. For example, I could totally see him in Pietrocina praying his rosary, thinking about Our Lady's house. Like, for example, if he's praying the, um, the uh, mystery of the Annunciation and he's, you know a mule ride away from, uh, from the house where it happened. I imagine his eyes and his mind, his imagination was going to that house because he knew very concretely what it looked like, hmm. what it felt like. So maybe he's wrapped up in that prayer and he's literally bilocating there without realizing it. I could totally see that.
0: That's true. That's crazy. Okay. Whew. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. weird. Catholic I mean, is there... Stuff. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's really um, unbelievable... It makes me want to go there to Laredo and to the Holy Land, of course. But, you know, with all that being said, we also, at the same time, it's interesting that angels move this house, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it was an angel that appeared to Mary. Right. And, you know, like, moved, you know, like, (laughs) moved God (laughs) into her womb, like, like the Holy Spirit. Like, we... I wish we had more faith to believe miracles, because I think mm. like we would be uh you know quite surprised what God could do, you know because of faith
1: absolutely I mean, reflecting on today, uh Saint Bernard of Clairvaux has this beautiful homily. Anybody could find it, just look up Saint Bernard or Bernard uh homily on the Annunciation, <laughs> and uh he just he does such a great job of articulating the faith of Mary today and how literally all of the universe, the angels included, were all waiting on Mary Mm -hmm. in her response. You know, there's this invitation from God to play this role in salvation history, to be the mother of Christ and of the church, and literally all of creation holds its breath waiting for Mary to answer. And uh, that's crazy to me because it's the faith of Mary, like you said, to believe that God can literally do anything um, that made her say yes. It was definitely not faith in herself. Right. There was nothing about herself that says, I can do this. I mean, she's a 14-year-old girl, um, poor, in a, in a town that, you know, what good can come from Nazareth? This was not a famous city. or in, It's not New York City. And there's nothing about herself that says, I can do any of this. So it was all her faith in God. And when the angel tells her that nothing is impossible for God, Mary already knew that, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so it's her faith in that that made today possible. And uh, what could God do in my life if I had that same faith?
0: Amen. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith. Saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around all the things, but good. What a a wonderful time uh, to be alive and to be Catholic. So, Paul George, Deacon Adam Kong, thanks for listening on the podcast, on the radio. Feel free to share the podcast with others, um, and thanks for being a part of our journey, episode 195. All right, so we're going to do a quick
1: six-pack question a quick six
0: you're gonna blow our mind like just keep (laughs) just keep rolling i mean you 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 hit a home run today as we're talking about baseball like (laughs) grand slam out of the park Like what you found today was a gold mine (laughs) all
1: right question number one we started talking about um phil is that his name phil phil yeah in arizona from new york city uh you seem like the adventurous type in the right setting as well have you ever disregarded some warning sign and then regretted it. Oh, one hundred percent. Tell us about that. Yeah,
0: I used to be more adventurous when I was younger. Like, let's go do anything, you know. And I have a little bit of that in me, just you know, energy wise. But it's more like I'm I'm not afraid to try anything. So like that's always a theme. Okay. That being said, I went snow skiing first time I ever even seen snow. My cousin and I went up to Lake Tahoe when we were in college. Just the two of us, The guy who, you know, my good friend who was like John the Baptist, me and Jesus, but we didn't act like it. And so we'd go, never seen snow. We're from Louisiana. And we'd go up the lift. We rented skis. We'd never been skiing. And we are like, oh, this can't be that hard. And we went to the very top. And we didn't know that the black was like black diamond, double black diamond. We didn't know that that was the hardest. And there was this one that said double black diamond. Do not do this unless you know, whatever. This is not... And then we were like, what does that mean? Like, what are people? And then and I, I guarantee you, and I'm not lying or exaggerating. Uh, we we just went and then we rolled down the mountain. Like, rolled. <laughs> the whole way down. Like, it just straight. By the time we got to the mountain, I had no skis, no poles, no nothing. I'm like, yeah, There's the little fill in me. So. Oh,
1: my goodness. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have any stories like that. That's amazing. And I
0: did it the next day. For real? Yeah. You're kidding. No. You but are I, Phil. But I literally was like, I'm gonna do this till I can actually Right like, till I get it right. Yeah, like I was in like competitive mode. So you are Phil.
1: Question number two. Um so you mentioned some college baseball experiences and, and just um this idea of getting in slumps. I wanna I wanna ask you about that in the spiritual life because this is a this is a real thing and I think you know, folks I've talked to that maybe are not new to the spiritual life, but maybe they're. Um, it's their first slump, right? Mm-hmm. Like until now, they've just been getting better and better and better, and now they feel like they're... And it, You tend to despair a lot, I think, in that first experience. Yep. Can you kind of give us a little motivation um, if we're new to that or if we're like in that slump right now, spiritually?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the additives like in, in baseball or in sports is like you just kind of know a slump's coming. And that you know, like you kind of know what to do when you get in a slump, you know, that you don't know when you're going to come out of it, but you know what to go back to, which is like certain practice and basics. And like, you know, it's like, okay, like if I just go back to this, it's going to pull me out of my slump. Like eventually I'll start getting some hits and yada, yada, yada. Right. But to say that you'll never be in a slump, even as a professional is, is silly even say, so, so is a spiritual life to say, Oh, I'll never be in a spiritual slump or with the, what, You know, St. Ignatius or Saints would call spiritual desolation. I mean, all the saints experience spiritual desolation because what happens in a slump? We go back to the basics and we practice, right? What happens in spiritual desolation? We're called to go back to the basics, reignite our prayer life, reignite our commitment, you know, And, and that when we get back into that rhythm, it it slowly pulls us out of that slump, that spiritual desolation. And so anytime we're experiencing a slump, you know, our reaction to that after we're like, man, I'm, I'm experiencing some spiritual darkness, go back to the basics, get back into the batting cage, yada, yada.
1: Man, I love that. That's a great answer. That should be a book. Rethink slumps. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Question number three. Um We mentioned uh, Our Lady. Today's the Annunciation, the Incarnation. I would love to hear from you, like, um I don't know. When you meditate on this mystery, when you think about this mystery, it's probably changed over the years. But like today, like what just blows your mind about it? Um, which aspect is it like our Lord becoming man? Our Lady's yes. Just I'd love to hear you just kind of top of mind. What about today's mystery is just like blowing your mind today?
0: Yeah, well, the miracle of it all, you know, but what I would say with it, this is like uh, let Mary reveal the miracle to you. I know that sounds crazy. But if you've never done a consecration to Our Lady through, you know, St. Louis de Montfort or, or maybe some newer, you know, devotional books, do a consecration to Our Lady, you know, uh, and let Mary reveal the miracle to you of what happened and and in faith. And you'll see it through a whole nother light, you know, as you grow in your relationship with the Blessed Mother, who was the most in love person with with the son of God. Right. So Mm -hmm. that, that would be the invitation.
1: I like that. All right. Question number four, you said you've been working on joy with more or less success this year. I bet you're not alone. I bet a lot of folks, especially after the couple of years we've had and the current situation of the world, um, joy is something we all want to grab onto. So what have you learned in your journey with joy so far this year that may be helpful to others that are trying to, uh, work on that same thing?
0: Well, let's go back to the baseball analogy is like a lot of times when we go up to bat, we want to hit the home run, right? It just get the base hit, like enjoy the base hit, you know, enjoy the fact that, Oh, I walked and got on base, you know, like, like enjoy the little successes, the little victories, the little joys. And like, that's what I'm finding is like, oftentimes we try to look for like the big aha joy moment, you know, let me go on vacation or go on a cruise and whoo, I had so much fun and joys like how that no, There was like this small moment of joy today, and I don't want to miss that. You know, my kid doing this or this time with my wife or waking up this morning and the weather was – like that, that's what I'm learning. Like Mm -hmm. enjoy the bunt single, you know, Mm -hmm. like and and rejoice in that. And then when the home run comes, it's like, yes, you know, but like those are few and far between.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, I just had this image of myself in my first major league game and how psyched up I would be if I walked. Like, if I actually got on a base, I'd be, like, fired up. Well, if you think about
0: it, like, say in a season, like, you had 200 at-bats, and you you hit maybe 5 to 10 home runs out of 200 at-bats. I mean, if that's all you focused on, like, just think about, like, the lack Mm -hmm. of joy you would have because you you would feel like such, like,
1: failure. But there's all these small moments within the game that you're missing. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to do. Nice. Good advice, Paul. All right, question number five. You mentioned uh, a marriage retreat that you and Gretchen um, just completed. Tell me more about these uh, marriage retreats and like what um, what you see God doing in these retreats. Yeah,
0: we're gonna continue to do more of them. These renew getaway retreats is taking a small group of couples, you know, five or six couples, and like just going away, The beautiful sort of like you know, part vacay, you know, part getaway, but just. Yeah, of course, mass and the sacraments, but just giving people time to rest and breathe and and just have some sessions where they they can talk and like reignite their relationship. What we're finding is that, you know, the the, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to move and allow space for God to work, miracles happen. Uh, And we've kind of come into a season of the church in the past where we just want to pack everything with content and just Mm -hmm. drive people, you know, into the ground, you know? (laughs) So it's really beautiful in that way. And so that's why it's more of like a four-day getaway because it's, you
1: know, uh, kind of building in that time, which is beautiful. You just said something profound. I'm going to think about the rest of the day. But I'm going to make question six about it because I'd love for you to elaborate. But this, this idea that we've been packing a lot of content. And for a couple of decades, that's been really important because there was a time where the content got really rough and watered down 100%, 100%, and terrible. 100%. I would agree. But like John Paul II led us into a renewal of content in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. I mean, um, his teaching papacy. Yeah, we was.
0: were coming out of like a season where like there was no catechesis and exactly. we had clowns dancing during mass. That's right. And so we, look, let's just <laughs> all be honest, all that, 100%. Yeah.
1: But you just n- nailed something that I'm going to think about the rest of the day is needing space as a church. Like we have the, we have a lot of content, right? But like to create space for the Holy Spirit. Um, can you elaborate on that? That's question number six, this, uh, relationship between content and space.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, we have all the content now and access to it and the ability to really kind of, you know, what I would say is, is put guardrails so to keep people from flying off into the ditch, but, but to, to leave also room for people to drive, you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, allow the Holy Spirit, you know, so if we could give a session and give the couple, three hours, four hours to go on a date and go biking and nap and, and to, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to say, God's doing something. And I don't have to give some great talk to make sure that that's happening. You know, mm. and we got to make sure that we don't allow content and like, you know, evangelization to become about me, mm-hmm. what I deliver. Right. Like, Let me just put what God has delivered already out there. So I'm not creating new content and don't let anybody be so egotistical to think that they've created some new content, right? Like God Mm -hmm. is, the gospel has already been like laid out for us. Like we can think of creative ways to present it and all that. Yes, 100%. But let me back away and let God move now. Let the Holy Spirit just take over and do in that person what God wants to do. And I think that's you know, a good place that the church can begin to move. And it's a little scary because we are a little bit more vulnerable in a sense of like, well, I mean, if I can control the content and control everything, then I can control everything.
1: Wow. Mike dropped there.
0: And if there's one thing we know about the feast of the annunciation is that the Holy spirit was present and no one was in control, but God,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Honor and not even Mary. She, she had to surrender to God's plan. Mm-hmm. And so did Joseph. And it was like, let it be done to me according to your will. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what we do. Lord, you take control. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Anyway, great show, man. Yeah.
1: You knocked it out of the park. Home run. <laughs> Bumped single. Man. And you just kept running and you made it all the way home. You you run the park, sir. Like, <laughs> you make it all happen. I'm the recreational <laughs> coordinator. That's what I do. I drive around in a golf cart now. <laughs>
0: can't even swing a bat so thanks everyone for being a part of the show T, and uh everyone part of the podcast appreciate you and we'll be back next week god bless